If you're visiting with us today, this is the last value that I've preached on for us as a community of faith, perhaps not as practically as I ought to have, but maybe the questions will elicit some practical responses. But this is a time for me to respond to perhaps questions that you've had concerning what has just been preached on. This is done not as an attempt to be cute, different, hip, and with it. As you can see, I don't need any help with those things. Um, (laughs) You're still awake. But it is an attempt to respond to where you are truly at. And I will be honest when I can't answer a question in the, in the same vein of transparency. And uh, so I'll get, hand it over to uh, the Honorable Dr. Joel Thiessen to uh, lead us. Great. Thanks, Pastor. Um, we talk about transparency here at, uh, at an individual level, how it applies to us as individuals. Uh, there are many within society at large who are very critical of, uh, of the church, broadly speaking, local congregations, individual Christians, uh, for not being real, transparent, honest, etc. Uh, how do we work to change some of those perceptions? How do we bridge that gap? And in some ways, they are realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we work, practically speaking, to try to change some of those? Yeah. I mean, certainly one of the reasons we have transparency as a value is because we recognize that we live in a different time in which there's more suspicion about the church than there is a sense of compliment or a good self-will. That perhaps there are many people that think of some of the significant things that have happened in denominations or in certain faith traditions as reasons to be mistrusting of Christians, kind of on a, on a big scale. But there's also the personal things, the ways in which... Um, our lives ought to be more reflective of this kind of integrity and honesty. Um, I think that it is hard to be um, a witness in the world that is critical of you. But perhaps being a part of the community of faith is a place in which we learn what it means to actually confront the truth of our own life, our own brokenness. And to do that, you know, uh, is not easy. Um, it's never easy for me to be vulnerable. It's never easy for me to be confessional. But if I know that I am loved, if I know that, that this community actually cares enough about me, like any parent would, you know, we love our children enough not to give them everything they want, and we love our children enough not to let them get away with everything. And it is the same with our Heavenly Father. I think that when we look to God, we ought to recognize that that, yeah, we, 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 you know, God wants to correct us. God wants to change us. So here's, here's my answer after that exposition. My answer is simply this. In order, to, in order to change the perspectives of the world, I can't do that by myself. But I can do that as I live more authentically and truthfully in relationship with God and my brothers and sisters in the church. And allow my life to then reflect that honest integrity in the relationships that I have with one, two, three other people within my life. And hopefully, people will start to know me as a person of honesty and integrity and put their trust in me because they can see that what I profess is true of how I live. The gap between profession and actual living the faith is often the problem in our culture. 
part of the formation of this vision process and discussion of transparency uh, involved discussions not just of transparency of individuals within our congregation as a church externally uh, or individuals among ourselves, but we also talked about the relationship between those who are in positions of leadership uh, relative to those who call Skyview their home. Uh, Can you share just a bit of how we're trying to become more transparent uh, as leaders within this congregation? Yes, that's a, good, uh, uh, that's a great question. That must be your question, right, uh, Joel? That, didn't, that wasn't text. Uh, that sounds like a Joel question. Um, sorry that I outed you there. But uh, I, I would respond in this way. I think as a church, we just recognize that sometimes even within the church, people, because of a lack of information, can draw all kinds of conclusions. I've been a part of the church long enough to know that oftentimes churches experience incredible problems and perhaps even splits because of what has not been said, (laughs) as much as what has been said. A part of what we're trying to do at Skyview is we're trying to be transparent. We're trying to take away all the blindness and all the potential room for you to misinterpret or to have misgivings about our intentions as a community of faith. So our emails, our, our, our newsletter, Um, our announcements, having different people up here talking about what's happening in our community is an attempt to say we want to live transparently in leadership as well. We want you to know this is your community of faith. We want you to be able to trust the integrity of our decisions, and we want you to know as much as you need to know. With that said, it's not easy to lead an organization like this. Um, it, it requires discernment and wisdom, but above all things, we want to lead with integrity and honesty. So in other words, you, you also need to hear this. Ministry leaders are, and board members are very honest with me, even when I don't want to hear it. Um, and, and, and the only reason that I can receive sometimes information or challenge or, um, you know, Stu, we think this is an area that you need to address, is because I have a trust with them. I know their hearts. I know that they want the, the right thing. They want the good thing. They want the kingdom thing. And I think you need to know as a community of faith that our int- it attempts to communicate is a way of, of allowing you to build the confidence and trust in the leaders that you have chosen here at Skyview. Does that answer it? Yeah. Okay. Final question for me, and then I'll field some texted questions that have come in. Uh, At this point in Skyview's history, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess an opportunity for transparency, what are you most encouraged about, Mm. and what concerns you most? Wow. Uh, What encourages me most? I think I got a, in one word, alpha. (laughs) Uh, If I'm going to be just quite honest, I I'm enjoying being a part of a ministry in which we are leading by being a hospitable community of faith, welcoming people to participate in the journey of discovering the truth of Jesus Christ in the Bible, and to see the transformation that is happening there. Perhaps I'll add a second. I'm also excited to see the accountability that is happening in smaller groups and between individuals in our church, by which certain groups are meeting together identifying that they can help each other overcome and live through certain challenges, certain vices, certain habits, and they are actually praying for one another and helping each other to not only be honest with the challenge that they're facing, but to overcome it. I'm very excited about that. I am also, i got a third one, I am also excited about where God is leading us. As you know, that I, I, I could easily tie that into the building, but I, I don't. These days, I believe more and more that who we are becoming 
is who God wants us to be. We are not there yet, but there are good things happening on many, many levels. What am I most concerned about? I think I'm most concerned about people who still refer to our church, even though they've been here for a number of years, as you guys need to kind of think about this. That you guys language or you should do this is indicative of a lack of ownership that this is my church, my community, I'm committed and connected here. So if I can just be quite frank, and I'm going to leave real quick after service so no one can be upset at me, (laughs) but if I can just be real frank, I think it's time for our community to step up and say, this is my church family. My biggest concern Uh, is that we don't change that culture and that climate. We want body language here, family language here, that is evident that we truly have found our place of both ministry, service, and worship. How does transparency help us to tap into the power of Christ when we fall short in our daily walk? To quote a very good friend, I can say, Dr. Gordon T. Smith. I thought it was going to be me. (laughs) Joel, there's many good things I can quote. In one of the classes I took uh, in seminary, he said this. He says, we only grow at the point of our confession. You know, uh, what hinders our growth is when we live an unconfessed life. You know, when we, when we, when we don't come clean, when we don't become honest about what is actually hindering our growth, Um, we cannot grow. And there's a sense in which, um, what is the question again, by the way? Uh, How does transparency help us to tap? Yes, yes. I think one of the ways in which... uh, (laughs) It just came back to me, Joel. Okay, okay. Uh, But (laughs) it's a lot of work preaching. You guys have no idea. Um, It uses a lot of brain power. Uh, I, I would say this. I, I would say that I think one of, the, one of the hardest things to do and one of the most amazing things to do is to realize that we can come to God with our brokenness and our failure and to recognize that His grace is truly not only pardoning, but it is transforming, that God does not only forgive us, but He can grow us up to overcome through His Spirit. There's a show I like on TV, and I don't know if I... We, we can edit this, right, for online? Okay. Um, there's a show I like on TV. It's called The First 48. And the premise of the show is simply this. The premise of the show is, is that if a murder detective... I know it sounds very, very macabre and, you know, deadly, which it is. But uh, uh, it's a show about detectives investigating murders all over the United States, and that if they are going to have any success if they don't get a substantial clue within the first 48 hours, the chances of solving the case drastically diminishes with every passing minute. And I've been amazed on this show, which, <laughs> which when they found the suspect, that how many times, if the suspect has been living with this guilt for such a long time, that they are actually really, and detectives actually know this intuitively, that the, the suspect actually willingly wants to confess they want to get it off their conscience. They want to clear them. They, they, they are actually burdened. Now, there are some people who are just hardened. They don't. But a lot of times, they just want to get it out. And it's amazing to me, because I've watched a show, and I thought to myself, I've seen the most spiritual things happening in an interrogation room, whereby the, you know, the, the detective would just say, listen, I know this must be heavy on you. I know this is killing you. 
I know this is, this is, this is dragging you down. And, and, and in fact, we'd say things like, your incarceration, if you don't get this off your chest, is going to be far more brutal for you than just, and then to hear that come out. And what I take from that is, is that oftentimes we as Christians live under the weight of unconfessed sins, and it ruins us. It makes us not represent the Jesus that we love, and, and yet we feel so hesitant to actually say, I am such a person that needs relief from that. And so I would say the relationship between confession and transparency is an essential one. I would also say this, always exercise wisdom in who you share your deep, dark hurts, pains, and shortcomings with. Not everybody's mature enough to take what you say and to encourage you in a way that brings freedom and grace and facilitates that. And so I would say that it's one thing to say, confess your sins to one another, that James 1 says. <laughs> but it's something else to be with people whom you know they're going to take that to the Lord in prayer, and they're going to hold you accountable out of love and not out of spite or condemnation or treat you like a leper. How do you press on fulfilling God's plan for you when you are exhausted? Oh, God has an answer for that. It is called Sabbath rest. One of the biggest challenges for our Western Christians, of which I am a part, is that we are driven by doing. It infiltrates everything, including our theology and our church. The reason we as a church do not want extensive programming so that we can say to the other churches, look at what we got, is not because we're lazy, but because we recognize you are already stretching and stretching yourself in ways that leaves very, very little room for the kind of deep soul rest that each and every one of us needs. I don't have time to go into the theology of this, but you know that the reason the people of God is in exile for the amount of time that they were is because they broke the Sabbath. It seems like a petty thing, doesn't it? Seriously? They worked on a Sabbath. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. God gave the Sabbath to the people because he knew that he wanted to consistently teach them that they can rest because even when they are not at work, he is. The reason why we're so tired is because we lack the trust to believe that when we stop working, God is still able to provide. A lot of Christians, the answer to the question is simply this. Trust the Lord and take time off. Say no to things. That's the most godly thing my wife taught me recently. She says, you know, it's a very spiritual thing to say no and to rest. I've got great resources on Sabbath, and I know you do too. I think of Mark Buchanan, uh, several books that he's written on Sabbath rest. I think I can make those resources available when I eventually post all my responses on the blog. So. More questions? Yes, final, okay. final question. Final? Okay. <clears throat> Should we believe that God can literally move mountains and thread camels through needles? Or should we believe more <laughs> in spiritual acts like bringing people to God and bringing in offerings? Ah, Well, I think there's a big problem when we believe that God is not able to deal with material things and change material things. In fact, Gnosticism, at the heart of a uh, second century, it's when it really was developed, uh, was a heretical movement that one of the, t the key tenets of Gnosticism was its duality, its separation of spiritual matter from material matter. 
It created all kinds of problems so that Gnostics wouldn't believe that Jesus could truly be God because he was flesh. And it is, a, it is the same thing that still happens today. There seems to be this dualistic thought of God, that God is only concerned with what we define as spirituality uh, that has nothing to do with the physical. Uh, we have a God who created the physical. Therefore, he is intimately tied to the physical. That my eschatological perspective, in other words, the end of days, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the left behind. I'm just throwing that out there, and you can crucify me afterwards. But, but, but my perspective of, at least scripturally, is that God comes to redeem this earth. He comes to set things right. He comes to bring life again. He comes to restore brokenness, to mend all things. And therefore, for me to, to have this, this sense that God is only concerned with the spiritual. No, God is concerned with the whole human being. That's why he created us. That the physical matters as much as the spiritual, the emotional and the relational. And perhaps that won't suffice for ever ask that question. I suspect there's more to it that you're asking, and I realize that I'm just interpreting those questions, but that's what I have right now. Over the past six weeks, you and Pastor Jeff have led us through this vision series. Uh, final thoughts or reflections uh, after walking us and journeying through that uh, that you would leave with us? Let's do it. You know, someone asked me, one of the questions that was unanswered was the question, okay, is there any practical things that we're going to do? I think that's a great question. Of course, my hesitation to answer that question is that oftentimes, you know, we can do things without meaning or guidance. And I think our values gives us meaning and guidance. And so now I think the work is, and I, I read this in the book, but I'm just going to use it, okay? It said that the work of those who cast a vision, such as pastors in local churches, is to keep before the people why. But the real work of making vision happen is to answer the question of how. And that question needs to be answered by this community in its respective ministries, through its respective ministries, through more people stepping up. Can I say that? Through more people stepping up and saying, we want to serve for the sake of others. We want to be a part of this community so that more can know Jesus Christ. And so I would say over the next few weeks and beginning with a series on Colossians that we're starting next week, I'm going to be preaching through a little bit of that, but um, I, I, I think we have, to, we have to just now put feet to, 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 to the words and start living this out as we move forward. Um, it seems like you want me to say something else. Okay, I no, will. no, I will. I'm not you, you, fishing for you, anything. You, you talked me into it. <laughs> I'm done up here, I think. <laughs> the second sermon. I, I, I do want to say this, though. Um, and and this, is, this is perhaps not directly responding to his question, but I do want to say this. I, I am very privileged to be a part of this community of faith, and I believe in its future. I believe God is leading us. And I want to invite you sincerely... I want you to invite you soon, sincerely, into having an optimistic view of where God is taking us. If I, could, if I could say this to you, I would say this. Let our words and our conversations with one another be those that are pleasing to God and uplifting to the body of Christ. Let us think of our church not in its deficits and what it does not have, but in the beauty of who God has made us to be through Christ. And let us look forward with excitement to what is to come. Amen? Thanks be to God. Bob, will you come and lead us?